Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound... Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Business of Esports Podcast, the official podcast of esports. We explore the intersection of business and esports, one of the fastest growing industries in the world, and the future of fun. Please welcome your host, Paul, the esports prophet, Dawalibi. The business of esports podcast begins now. From the keyboard to the boardroom, this is the business of esports podcast. I am Paul, the prophet, Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, the Honorable Judge Jimmy Barada. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the official podcast of esports. What we do is we cover the most pressing gaming and esports topics and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect. We analyze the business implications of everything happening in this industry. For our regular listeners, thank you guys for tuning in, tuning in every week. Thank you for all the love, the five-star ratings and reviews. We appreciate it. We're humbled by it. If you haven't yet, do two things for me. Go leave a review on the podcast. Leave that five-star review and share the podcast with a friend, a colleague, anyone you know who may be interested in the esports industry. That's how the podcast has grown, and we really appreciate it. Jimmy, how you doing this week? Hey, Paul, having a great week. We got a very special episode today. This is our official Thanksgiving week episode, <laughs> even though Paul is both Canadian and in the Middle East, so we're double not <laughs> celebrating over there. But for the rest of our listeners, our United States listeners in particular, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. We're recording, as you know, on uh, the Wednesday before, so hopefully you get a listen to this episode and eat some turkey, because I know that's high on your priority list. <laughs> it's funny, Jimmy, because when I was in Canada... I definitely wasn't exposed to it, right? Because Thanksgiving's in October for us. When I moved to Dubai, now 
like I, I'm really not exposed to it at all. Like, tomorrow's just another work day. I, I don't know if, you know, I know you're, you guys are taking off, but uh, I, I, there's nothing happening here except, except more gaming stuff, a crazy amount of gaming stuff going on here. In fact, I'm off to Saudi Arabia this weekend for gaming related, metaverse related conference, which should be fun. Uh, probably your 50th of the season, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been crazy. But I actually I I wanted to mention we put out the panel last week that I did at Jitex Global, which is kind of like the CES here or the equivalent of CES. It's bigger, in fact, than CES. And I was curious what people thought of that panel. I'd love to get feedback. And if you guys are enjoying us putting out the live content, also right, not just the recorded content. It's recorded, but meaning of me doing a live appearance. And I'm curious if people enjoyed that. Jimmy, I know you liked it, right? I like all of them. I mean, the, the PAX East ones that we've done, the ones at Salt, we got a lot of great conferences. I know people want us back for PAX, right? Uh, I don't know. Um, you may have to carry that torch, my friend. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and, and just a little sneak peek, you know, we do have Comic-Con in less than two weeks, and there might be some content there out of Business of Esports as well. So can you not say more than that? Are you just are you just going to tease it or can we not say more? Why don't uh why don't they go to the Comic Con website and take a look at the schedule and <laughs> and maybe get a ticket or they'll have to wait for us to distribute it live. But uh, lots of, lots of great content, lots of great live events as you mentioned in the Middle East here in the states. It's just it's on fire for gaming right now. It's the end of the year. All the conferences, all the tournaments, uh, all the new games. Come to the live show, by the way, because I want to talk about Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, but I don't want to keep our guest waiting. He's been already super patient waiting for us to intro. So uh, I will say every Wednesday, as you guys know, 11.30 a.m. Pacific time, uh, we do a live stream covering all the news and events in the video game world. And we do talk about some of our favorite games there. So if you want my take on uh, new Warzone 2.0 and Modern Warfare 2, uh, I'll talk about it then. Yeah, and then we may have a special live stream episode next week, right? I, should I tell them that it may just be Jimmy and the Juice? <laughs> our, our special Bulldog episode, Bulldog only <laughs> feature episode, Jimmy and the Juice. You guys have to decide. Is it Jimmy and the Juice? Is it the Judge and the Juice? Is it the Juice and the Judge? I don't know. We'll do it live, I think. We'll figure it out. You'll have to land on something. <laughs> you know, someone who may have in, a good input on this, though, is, is a man who has made a career on the air as talent, doing esports commentating, doing sports commentating also, and sports broadcasting. So it'll be interesting to talk about those similarities and differences. We have none other than Scott Cole on the podcast. Scott, welcome to the Business of Esports podcast. Glad to be here. Yeah, I mean, Call of Duty has uh, come just a little ways <laughs> in the last 25 <laughs> years or so. Uh, I used to play Call of Duty 1 and 2 on a professional level before I started uh, commentating it and yeah, we were doing things in you know people's basements and hotel ballrooms <laughs> and stuff like that. It's come a little bit of ways uh, to you know 100 people playing to like 25 million or so dropping in on Warzone. Scott, for our our listeners who maybe don't know about you or haven't heard about you, would love a little bit of the Scott story, a little bit of your background, how you got into gaming, why you got into gaming, and some information on the stuff you're working on now. Would love a little bit of you know what you're working on these days. First of all, gentlemen, love the program. Thanks so much for uh, Phillips and Relco, you know, kind of putting us together so we can uh, have this discussion on esports and how it's just exploding, continuing to growing. But, you know, I had an older brother, uh, you know, mom and dad bought us a NES, the original. And so uh, to me, that was competitive gaming. You know, he was the one I wanted to beat. And then I started beating kids in the neighborhood. And um, so I, I go back gaming like day one. 
you know, and, and I've really never stopped over the last, you know, 35 years or so. So, but I always wanted to be a broadcaster. I used to pretend like uh, I'd put the camera on my dad's camcorder up and I pretend I was on sports center, like behind my bed, I would interview my brother. Like he was William Perry, the bears. And so it's, it's just fun to go back and watch those home videos and now see what I'm doing now. But, you know, as far as getting into competitive esports, you know, I had an internship with the Mavericks and the stars and right next door to the arena in the Hyatt Regency, Dallas, um, was a, a competitive gaming going down. It was Counter-Strike 1.6. They had a couple other things. They were starting to introduce Vanilla Cod. I was trying to think some of the other games that were out there. Certainly Quake uh, was, was big at the time. And there was a, a little broadcast organization called TSN. And they had rented some Microsoft video servers. And I'm sure we were serving things up in 240p. Because before then, like you would have to take your Counter-Strike 1.6 replays and then sync it up with our audio. And people were downloading a program called Winamp. Uh, and that's how we were, you know, I guess we got to be known as shoutcasting. So I, I, I tell people when they ask me, how far do you go back in esports? I said, there wasn't even video at the time. We were just like, we were on the radio basically over the internet. So it's crazy to think that, uh, you know, just how far we've come, uh, you know, to, to this point that in 2015, I wasn't even really uh, doing anything, but my buddy DJ wheat, he was working at Twitch and he's like, you should get on Twitch. I was like, all right, get on Twitch. And I uh, started playing some sports games, even though world of Warcraft is my addiction. Uh, I'm not afraid to admit it. Some people at the NFL network saw my Twitch and my YouTube content that I, I was doing. And all of a sudden, I went from like streaming in a guest bedroom to like a hundred thousand, you know, dollars an hour studio uh, and doing a national TV show. Um, so I quit my like fortune. I was doing branding for like fortune 50 companies and I quit that. And next thing you know, I'm like the voice of Madden esports and then the NBA 2K league. And so it's funny, even though there was a huge gap between that moment in Dallas, the Hyatt Regency and like the early two thousands that like 10, 15 years later, Esports kind of had a rebirth after we had a, a, a burst of our bubble kind of back in like 2007 and eight. So uh, I keep reminding myself that people used to laugh at the NFL, you know, when the NFL d decided that they were going to create a league, people are like, what are you doing? There's, we already have college football. Why, why would anybody want to watch professional football? And that's kind of how I feel about esports over the last decade that people kind of laughed at it. And, you know, the only branding that we could get is people that made mouses or laptops or, uh, you know, uh, monitors. But now you got folks like Phillips Norelco that are out there, kind of these brands that are banging the drum, you know, kind of getting involved in esports and kind of pushing the ball forward. And so I just appreciate them. My beard appreciates them because, uh, you know, when you look good, you play good. And when, you know, you got confidence on the air, I, I just do better. So I appreciate you guys having me and it's, it's been a long journey to finally, uh, you know, get to this point where every day I keep thinking, man, I'm going to have to get a job again. I'm going to have to go back and work in a cube, but somehow, uh, this esports train just keeps on, uh, keeps on rocking and running. And, you know, I'm trying to hang on as long as I can. But you made a great point, right? Esports today is, is still largely what people call endemic sponsors, even though I hate People know I hate this sort of differentiation between endemic and non-endemic. Where are we at in terms of mainstream brands understanding the opportunity? Well, I think some of it is just taking a while. You know, I, I do a lot of consulting for, for big brands 
to tell them the benefit of esports that it's you know very authentic. They they kind of throw the sports sponsorships kind of play at esports, and I just don't think that works because it's something that you have to be really authentic and something that you have to try to speak the language without sounding like a poser, and and that's really hard to do. It, it is, and so you know this kind of explosion of uh, you know influencer marketing. It's what's allowed brands to kind of play in a space. Uh, you know, you'd be able to take the community of the influencer and, and them kind of speak toward this is why they think the brand is good and the brand belongs in the space. And, you know, that's kind of what I'm doing with Phillips and Rucker right now is kind of help first time shavers and first time college kids kind of, you know, look your best because we got people out there playing for like hundreds of thousands. We've got people playing for millions, uh, you know, in esports and, I hate to say it's all about branding, but it's not just about winning that tournament. Winning that tournament puts you on a spotlight to where all of a sudden you can be a Tim the Tatman or a ninja or somebody like that. Yeah, you know, I think it's 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 actually kind of a genius, you know, uh, bringing together of a brand and esports in the sense that it feels it does feel very authentic, right? There's a, we've seen a lot of activations that seem forced or maybe don't hit the mark or the brand doesn't take the time to really understand the audience. Here it feels like this is precisely the audience you would want to go after, right? Like the gaming audience is in that perfect age group for shavers. We all got beards, you know, we all got beards. You got to have beards to be in esports. We all use Phillips Naroko in this room too. That's, yeah, that's kind true. of the funny thing too. <laughs> you know, we, we've talked and we've talked about it on this show. The number one thing the average like 12 year old wants to be is a YouTuber gaming influencer, right? Like if you look at the list of sort of career prospects, so this like looking good piece of it actually is a big part of it, right? And I think it completely destroys the stereotypes, which have always been mostly untrue, right? Like that we just live in our parents' basements and we, you know, we don't care what we look like. I love the fact that at the business side, it's addressing the right demographic, but on the other side, it's also just breaking this, this, these incorrect stigmas, right? Like these incorrect perceptions of what a gamer is, that they don't care about how they look, for example, um, so it feels very authentic. Is that in your mind as someone who came from the brand world, is this a key to success? Is it authenticity? Is it authority? Like what is the special sauce you think that makes a brand activation like this one work? I always go back to authenticity, even on any kind of, you know, as years of doing creative direction, you know, and now consulting in the esports space, you know, I've always gone back to how can you be authentic because you can gain a lot of affinity, but you can also, it can get negative real quick uh, because uh, that's the nice thing about gamers is they can really elevate your brand, but they can also crush you. So, uh, you know, I was a social media manager through an agency for like a, a place like Denny's and they were just like off the wall, authentic, like even just crazy, right. To where their community kind of, kind of lifted up that brand. Uh, and I won't name any other brands that have certainly tried to step into the space and got absolutely crushed. Uh, just by thinking it was just like a run of the mill, uh, you know, media buy kind of thing, because in this world where sometimes you can't skip advertisements, you know, you can gain negative affinity just by that. Just like, hey, I want to watch this, you know, League of Legends championship. I don't want to sit here and watch 10 minutes worth of ads for this certain brand. I mean, we all watch sporting events. Uh, to you get to the point where you're like, man, if I see this car commercial one more time, I swear I will never buy this car brand ever. So it's not just getting eyeballs, it's getting the right impressions. And, 
you know, look at a, a organization like FaZe Clan, when we're talking about look good, play good, they have put their branding, even from a fashion standpoint, at the, you know, the paramount of what they do. So, you know, that kind of relationship that they have with Champion. And then, of course, I work in the NBA 2K League that is, uh, you know, Champion sponsors all the uniforms and, and things like that. So these kids, as far as the culture goes, uh, you know, we have gotten very fashion forward uh, in esports where, yeah, they'll have their esports organization uh, jerseys on or kits or whatever, but you bet they got some really nice shoes on, some really nice kicks <laughs> or, you know, some sort of other uh, glasses or thing, things like that. So I think brands have, you know, been able to work their way in maybe by accident uh, as far as some of these uh, kind of fashion forward brands that have found themselves in the esports space. I think it also speaks, Paul, to your comment about endemic and non-endemic and that line really being less prevalent than we think it is, right? Where, like, like Scott's saying, that's their authentic selves. These kids like repping Balenciaga or wearing yep. whatever designer shoes and sweaters. And you think a gamer is one thing, but actually using those other products is still authentic to them because those are the things that they like. It's just a misconception. Before we get too much further, Scott, the, the audience wants to know, you said World of Warcraft. What was your faction? Paul Paul has to know. Oh, I no. have to know. <laughs> I don't want to start fights, but for some reason, I was Alliance from day one. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's not cool to be Alliance. I get yes, it. it. Is. Paul yes, it is, is also Alliance. <laughs> the older you get, the cooler it is to be Alliance. Uh, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I've been playing since day one, since the beta. So when Lich King came back around, I said, all right. So, and I'm a big time PVPer. I mean, I love the PVE content as well. And that's the misconception, right? Because my brand is very sports gaming, right? So a lot of the things I do is Madden and NBA 2K and golf and baseball and all this. But when I come home, you know, I'm playing Red Dead Redemption, Witcher 3, you know, yeah. World of Warcraft. I somehow got mixed up in this new police simulator that's been wasting like 12 hours of my day. So it's interesting. And a lot of athletes feel the same way. Like they like to play Call of Duty. They don't want to like, uh, you know, somebody that plays in the NFL, they don't want to come home and play Madden, you know, because that's what they do for a living. So, and I feel the same way. So I, I play as much sports games as I need to know the changes and know the, you know, the, know the meta, but when it's just me, you know, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm loading up and we're hitting a dungeon or we're hitting a, a raid or let's load up in the arena. Uh, you know, that's kind of where I like to spend my time. This show is sponsored by better help. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is safe. It's a place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For example, it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who experience major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GamePresents today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GamePresents. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Scott, let's talk about the esports broadcasting side because we, you know, we rarely have broadcasters on the show, and I think a lot of there's a lot of our listeners who maybe have ambition to be sports broadcasters or want to be on the talent side. What is the path from your perspective to becoming a professional esports broadcaster? I know you came up through traditional sports. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit and how much translates to esports, but also what you think the path is for people who are interested in that sort of piece of this ecosystem. You know, where I see people come from is either the traditional side, and usually that's like your host or your play-by-play guy who has that sort of like technical ability. And then you have someone that kind of comes from the community, right? So they were either a uh, big-time player or a big-time voice in the community or a personality. And then you have the influencer, right, who goes out there and makes content, you know, for that game. They kind of find their way in. But the interesting thing was I was doing an NBA event for 2K down at Full Cell in Orlando, and they had the Dan Patrick uh, Broadcasting School down there. And, you know, they had me talk to some of the, you know, some of the students and I was like, all right, well, what sports are y'all looking to get into? And the guy was like, I want to be a League of Legends play-by-play guy. And I said, all right, now that's how I know things are changing. So uh, I think it's cool that, you know, people that want to get on that path, now they have a path. Before it was just kind of like, hopefully you fall backwards into something. Hopefully somebody sees you uh, or your community kind of rides with you. And, you know, that's a big time you know, kind of a bulletin point to anybody that's in the business right now, be careful because there's a lot of up and comers that have actually that technical skill that are going to be coming behind you looking to take your spot because it is a zero, a zero sum game. I'm kind of the older end of esports, but I'm super young end of, of sports. You know, most of my uh, peers that do play by play for 
you know, soccer, football, basketball, baseball, whatever. I mean, they're in their sixties and seventies. So, you know, to have the opportunity to keep working on my skills, you know, is nice to, to kind of keep hanging out in that esports space, kind of buying time and waiting time for when's the right transition, whenever that is. Yeah. Well, just in that same line of, of advice to the listeners, is there any layer of education versus experience that you could recommend? Because a lot of our listeners certainly are working professionals. We have tons of students here as well that you know maybe might benefit more from the educational side of how do you get into, the, into that line of work as well. I think any broadcasting school or journalism is good, right? And then also find, just finding people that you want to emulate and, you know, have a cadence behind. I studied Pat Summerall and Vince Scully and Vern Lundquist because that was the cadence that I like. Brent Musburger, you know, I try to emulate them and and there's a lot of soccer commentary that I like because I like their vocabulary. And I, you know, I, I borrow, I was going to say steal, but I borrow a few things here and there for my own uh, repertoire. But, you know, I, I came up just saying yes to things and not not saying no to opportunities. People would love to get called up to the highest to the Call of Duty League, but how about you just create a community or uh, something on your campus and say, okay, I'm going to throw a Call of Duty tournament with eight teams and I'm going to commentate it. You got to kind of build up a reel and build up, build up experience. You can do the same thing. You don't have to be in, at, a, at a university. Contact your local USO and say, I want to throw a Call of Duty tournament for, for the troops and I'm going to commentate that and, and stream it out there. It's so much easier. I know we have this crazy saturation uh, of content, but being able to go live is not as cumbersome as it once is. I mean, you get a a decent mic, a decent laptop and a camera and you're you're almost ready to rock. So get an Elgato and and hook it in and, and, and you're ready to go. So, you know, I think about when we started, you know, in that little ballroom in the Hyatt Regency. I mean, we had truckloads of stuff we had to bring in just to make, just to put out a uh, 240p. Uh, now people are, you know, broadcasting in 1080p and 4k. So I think as the technology advances, you know, certainly the opportunities grow and advance with it as well. You just have to kind of keep your head on a swivel and, and networking is always the most important thing, right? You know, I, I got a lot of jobs based on people that I had known and people that were advocates of me and, and, and pushing forward at the NFL and EA sports and at Twitch. If it wasn't for that partnership, I would still probably be sitting in a cube somewhere making making advertising and content for, for brands. But I say all that to you never know when you're working hard, you never know in a blink what's going to be the next opportunity. And, and, and that can come around a bin at any point your dream job could could call you later on today or tomorrow i want to talk about nba 2k league a little bit because i think they've done a better job at and the entertainment side of esports than maybe any other league right i would argue more than call of duty league or overwatch league and it feels like the broadcasts there overperform or outperform sort of expectations whereas overwatch league Maybe even Call of Duty League has underperformed slightly, you know, people's very lofty expectations for those games. What do you think it is? Like, how much does the broadcast, in your mind, play into the success of some of these esports leagues? Well, first of all, the NBA 2K League, I think they have to outperform. They have to make more content because they can't just put the name uh, Overwatch up there or or Call of Duty and they know people are going to tune in because... The competitive communities on games that come from PC, uh, I know Call of Duty is a, you know, certainly a console game, but, you know, it has a huge PC kind of foundation and, and background to that. And competitive Call of Duty is played on PC. Yeah, they, they right, right. exactly. Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know if we were breaking the fourth wall there or anything, but uh, 
Yeah. And so the other thing that I always tell people about stick and ball esports, so the Maddens, the 2Ks, the FIFAs, there's a precedence. There's no precedence to how you call a Call of Duty match. There's no precedence, at, at least not 50 years of precedence. And when you call a basketball game, people are expecting to hear like a Mike Breen, Jim Nance kind of kind of game. They're expecting to see certain content, you know, that you would see if you were watching an ESPN college game day, right? All that shoulder content. I think with their branding, you see a, li a little bit more content because a company like AT&T or something, they're used to like sports sponsorships. So kind of working with the NBA 2K League wasn't that far of a reach for brands that are already working with the NBA, right? So they get kind of a trickle down effect for folks that are working with the parent company at the NBA level. It comes down to the WNBA and G League and the NBA 2K League, which Adam Silver, the commissioner, considers their fourth league. So I think it's a combination of things. Brands pushing the NBA 2K League forward to make more shoulder content to get to know the players. But I also think you're just you're in that realm, right? Where you have NBA media people or people that have sports backgrounds from a, you know, from a creative perspective, that's what they know. They're just doing what they know to do from, you know, their past 20, 30 years uh, of experience where I think more of Call of Duty and Overwatch and, you know, League of Legends, the gameplay kind of is the hero. It, it kind of speaks for itself. And a lot of it is because it's not an animation-based game. These sports games are animation-based, where I think the other games are, are maybe a bit more skill-based. Not that it, there's not skill gaps, because there is, because I play, I think I'm pretty good at 2K. I think I'm pretty good at Madden. I play any of these guys that are, are, are pros that are making six figures a year. They slap me around real good. So I know there's a skill gap, but I think it's a bit harder to perceive. I think everyone thinks they're good at Madden. I think everyone thinks they're good at 2K. And when you talk to someone about League of Legends, they're like, I'm just not that good. I like playing, but I'm just not that good, right? There's a lot of factors there that lead to sign of a, a long way, or way around to talk about, you know, content creation. You know, the NBA 2K League kind of needs people to buy into their teams and buy into their players a bit more than maybe some of the other leagues. Do you think long-term that hurts something like the NBA 2K League, meaning by, by sort of attaching itself to what you call stick and ball sports, we on this show call them meat sports by assuming all of the standards and all of the things that make an NBA broadcast, what is an NBA broadcast? If you take all of that and transfer it over to NBA 2K League, do you think short term that helps, right? Like I think the point you made was insightful. Brands are more comfortable. The broadcasters are more comfortable, but long-term do we shortchange ourselves? Is there any long-term risk there by borrowing too heavily from meat sports? Yeah, I mean, we, t you know, we've had these conversations and strategy meetings around these leagues of does it need to be a bit more like Fortnite? You know, uh, do we need to go back to like an NBA jam kind of like uh, <laughs> aesthetic where it's like, OK, I can see that this guy's on fire or this guy's wearing more of an archer skin. So I know he's like really accurate with his shots or something. What good idea. <laughs> yeah, I know. Are, are we are we missing something there? But you have two huge schools in these uh, you know, when you get to meat sports, I guess we'll call it now, uh, <laughs> simulation and arcade, right? And there's no simulation of League of Legends, right? It's total fantasy, right? There's no one going, ah, that's not the way it really is when I watch football on Sundays. At some point, it's tough. The developers are first trying to make a game for the masses, right? And I think it's maybe an afterthought uh, just because it's such a small niche of players that compete competitively 
in a game like Madden or a game like 2K or a game like FIFA. I mean, they like their weekend leagues and they like playing their ultimate teams and getting the rewards and all that kind of stuff. But the thought of win winning a million dollar prize pool is just like way off. I mean, there's, you know, they know how much time they got to put in to do something like that. So I think you make a valid point, like following the status quo, is it growing? Me personally, I think the more you make it like basketball, like what you watch on TNT, you maybe get a fan of the Celtics now want to support the Celtics esports team. We can get into like camera angles and all that, you know, where Madden and 2K both play behind the player. When we watch it on TV, we like to watch it from the side. It's a nightmare. You can split a community and an audience, you know, real quick. And I think that's the tough thing for folks like Madden and the NBA 2K league. And we'll throw a FIFA in there. I've done a lot of FIFA as well. You know, you're trying to cater to the community, but you're also trying to grow beyond those things where you might get my brother or dad to watch and be able to understand it. And that's the cool thing about Rocket League. I mean, it was very easy, like when you jumped into Rocket League. And I, I got to do the first season of their official competitive uh, esports and the RLCS was it was high energy, high impact. There wasn't a precedence. You kind of got it though, because it's cars. They're knocking a ball into a goal. So it's sort of like soccer, you know, AK football, you know, so I don't know the answer, right? I mean, that's two totally different things between Madden, which is supposed to be a simulation and Rocket League that's supposed to be kind of a fantasy made up sport. Is there something in between there where we're an NBA jam, like, a 3v3 kind of thing, maybe people jumping off trampolines and, you know, uh, something that's a bit more uh, aesthetically pleasing or kind of more stimulating to the eye. Is that something that's going to help those stick and ball or meat sports grow? I don't know. Someone's got to roll the dice and try, you know. Rocket League feels a little bit more like the future to me, right? For mm -hmm. the points you made, you're not going to get just soccer fans. You're going to get fans beyond just the people who like watching soccer, but you're also going to capture soccer fans because you can explain to them, hey, this is just like soccer. There's no corollary in the real world, right? Like there's no real world Rocket League, as cool as that would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the thing is, is like you don't have many competitive players in Madden, FIFA and 2K that don't like those sports. Uh, you certainly have people playing Rocket League that could care less about soccer, right? <laughs> they don't see it as a soccer game. They see it as its own game, right? You know, that's tough. There, I've only met one competitor. He, his name was Joke. He was a Madden player who did not watch the NFL or football, did not like football, just like playing Madden. And he was a, he was a champion at one point. He saw it as a game, right? And what things can, what strategies can I can do? What glitches can I do? to kind of manipulate the, just like a pro, a pro player would do, you know, in Call of Duty or Overwatch, you know, trying to find the best spots on the map to make plays. Well, I like the commentary, Scott, on how the games can be used to attract audiences, not just young, because we always think about attracting a younger audience, but these games in particular, the sports-based games, like you mentioned your brother or your dad, I, I attracted my dad to video games because we play Madden together. And, you know, he wasn't half bad, right? But we both wa like watching the Bears on on some, well, I'm a Bears fan too, so let's don't get on a <laughs> Bears sufferer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm a Bears yeah. sufferer. Walt, Walter Payton was my hero. Yeah, um, so that's how I got my dad into it. Right, he's from Chicago. Yeah. We wanted in, and he saw me playing with the team, and then we got to play together. And you know, you attract a fan of that. Uh, I will say though, to your point about simulation, I do notice on social a lot of the times if I see a clip on Call of Duty 
or as you called it, one of those skill-based games, it's, yeah, it's a cool trick shot. It's something yep. unbelievable. When I see clips of Madden or 2K, at least maybe it says more about who I follow, but it's honestly, <laughs> it's the, how unrealistic is this play? Look at the ball, yes. get passed yep. through his head and bounce, right? And you kind of see a lot of the the funny glitches in the sports games. And so I'm not sure what, what needs to change there. I do think, not to cut you off, Jamie, no, but please. I do think if they could somehow, and I'm not a gambler, but if they could somehow get a fantasy perspective or a betting perspective to like a Madden of FIFA or 2K, like something that's legit, uh, certainly you got to watch the players that they're not doing, you know, that they're playing their hardest, that they're not trying to, you know, do anything that they shouldn't do. But I think that would open it up to a larger market. Um, and you saw some of that when we had those COVID years, because I was as busy as I ever was during those COVID years. I was calling a Clemson, Florida State college basketball game. It got canceled right before tip off. And then the next thing you know, I'm busy. I'm I'm working like two or three shows a day, you know, because we're putting things up on ESPN and stuff like that because they have no content. There's no sports going on. So they saw some success and they saw some growth. Even that Madden show that I was on in the NFL Network, it started off with 40,000 concurrent. They had it on a Friday night. They moved it to a Saturday at noon. By the end of the thing, it had like 400,000 concurrent that were watching this Madden show. For some reason, people are like, oh, it's people that aren't wearing suits and ties on TV. We're in hoodies and Jordans. And, you know, people were just like, what the heck is going on here? So, you know, I think if if you kind of can break the mold, you know, like Paul was talking about earlier, it could be a gamble, no pun intended, but I think, you know, it could grow uh, the eSport as long as you can do it in a positive way. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Scott, let's. I want to bring back a, a sort of a topic that's recurring on this podcast, which is esports and the Olympics, because I think you probably have a you know an interesting take or a different viewpoint on this. Is it something you want to see? And if we see it, do you want it to be limited to the sports, like to the stick and ball or the meat sports? Or do you think it has to go beyond that? Or do you think we don't need the Olympics at all? As someone who's, you know, done sports and esports. Yeah, I mean, I love FIFA E-World Cup. I think that's amazing. Uh, we got FIBA Esports, which is the Federation of International Basketball. Uh, it's cool to see those countries go against each other. I think there's something there. The question is, just like the Winter Olympics is, you know, two years off. Is there some way where we can kind of... It can be its kind of own esports Olympics, right? Where I don't think it's coincides, uh, you know, with the Summer Olympics or Winter Olympics. Is it something that kind of, uh, not saying shoulder content, but is it something that's kind of a supplement to it? Because I would hate to limit it, and I'm a sports guy. I would hate to limit it to just the sports games because, I mean, I, I told you DJ Wheat was one of my buddies. I grew up watching him broadcast StarCraft for a long time. And if you could have some random American somehow beat one of those legends over there in, in Starcraft, uh, it kind of would turn the world on its head. It's still that way now when a North American, you know, org actually plays well against some of these long standing, uh, you know, European esports organizations. I mean, how much better would it be? It's kind of like the way we are in the World Cup right now, where, you know, the USA is getting better at football, aka soccer. But it's, it's something like with esports, you could kind of see that grow and, and kind of get a whole country behind it. Because there's a lot of people that really will go. I can't believe I'm saying this again. We have a lot of people that don't care about soccer or football, but they will watch the USA play in the World Cup. They will watch the USA bobsledding team or pole vaulting or whatever, right? They don't even care about any of those. It's just like a country pride thing. Could esports grow by trying to get more on, on the world stage? I think the answer would be an emphatic yes. There's just certain countries, and maybe USA is one of them, where I hope we wouldn't get just flat out embarrassed in, in, in some of these esports because it's a global, you know, Overwatch and stuff like that's global. I know we got a lot of our leagues in North America, but, you know, a lot of the talent is still coming from overseas for sure. Does the world stage that you mentioned create problems for your business also, though, in the sense that, like, you know, we're, we're seeing more and more tournaments, for example, like the world championships being held in. Singapore or, you know, for mostly Asian audiences with most like League of Legends is a perfect example, right? I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if there are any really competitive North American teams. And so you get these finals with uh, a bunch of sort of teams from Asia and the championships are in Asia because that's where most of the audience is. From the North American perspective, how do you think about that? And do you see more opportunities going there because the audiences there are so much bigger or, or you don't see it as a threat? I try not to be so American, right? To where you're like, oh man, we gotta <laughs> we gotta set the table so the USA can be competitive. You know, I think you kind of have to get out of that mindset and can just kind of tip your cap to we're nowhere close to certain countries that had 15, 20 year 
jump on us as far as competitive esports goes 20 years ago in a, in a Hyatt Regency basement base like you know people would laugh at that I never told anybody I was doing that when I was doing that uh you know a lot of the events that I did was you know we traveled to Germany and Korea and stuff like that because that's where the events were and and to go back to branding that's the only reason it's kind of grown in America because it has become a business these organizations have become a business they see how big the Dallas Cowboys can get, you know? Um, and if they have a esports organization, how big can that get? I think it's good. I mean, I, I, I think a domination by the internationals is, is something that's good for America to kind of play that underdog role and see if they can get some, you know, get some people that are interested in kind of rising up to the challenge. And do we have brands and organizations that, you know, want to put the training in place to, you know, try to get to that point. Do we want to try to recruit people? America is a place where if you want to come become a citizen, you can, you can come over here, dual citizenship or whatever, just like they do in the world football. Uh, I could see the same thing in, a, in something like League of Legends. Scott, I have two last questions before I, I hand it over to Jimmy and everyone's favorite new segment, Judge Jimmy's cross-examination. But, you know, we had Arnold Herr, uh, CEO of Gen.G on the podcast, mm -hmm. right? And he talked a lot about the struggle with esports orgs to monetize from your perspective, what do you think needs to be done? Because you're, you know, you're sort of in the middle of this, right? Like the, the people casting, broadcasting, putting together these esports events and, and putting them out to the world. If those groups, if people like you don't succeed, esports fails as a whole, right? So what, what do you think the industry needs to do better over the next five years or 10 years from a monetization perspective or from an organization perspective in your mind? I mean, is any of our top companies in the world making profits? <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I know when it comes to the balance sheet and the, you know, the bottom dollar for a lot of esports organizations, it's, it's not pretty. I do think you're getting some, you know, smart minded people that are coming from big time players like, you know, PepsiCo or Budweiser, you know, that, can help these esports organizations. I think you need that, that mind power. I think you need MBAs, you know, people that business is what they do because we spent so many times where everything I work on feels like a college project, right? It feels like a garage band, right? We're just bunch of passionate people with a bunch of different skill sets. How do we make it happen? But I think we're growing to a point where you have to kind of know this is your weakness, right? You need to bring in people um, that have those strengths, that have those, you know, years of networking to kind of explain why esports is good, uh, why it's something that you should invest in and why it personally is a long play. I mean, I, you know, I spoke 45 minutes ago about people laughing at the NFL. What a business that is. <laughs> and they make money hand over fist and their owners make money hand over fist. The organizations continue to grow, uh, and they're worth the players make a lot of money. Is that a blueprint for what esports should do? I don't know, but I know that you need smart people that are kind of starting to step into this. And I see smart people all the time on LinkedIn that are leaving these amazing brands to be like, oh, I'm now with FaZe Clan, or I'm with 100 Thieves, or I'm with Optic Gaming now. Like These are people that kind of see that, hey, if, if they can jump onto something that maybe 10, 20, 30 years from now can grow 10 to 40x. So although it looks struggling now and we lose a lot of organizations that uh, just continue to kind of run out of money or passion or just don't have um, kind of that backing. 
but we see that with brands all the time or shark tank, you know, and all this kind of stuff where you, people that got great ideas, but they got the wrong people that are kind of pushing it. You know, every organization needs sort of that Mark Cuban or Jerry Jones or, you know, name kind of that, that spearhead or front person to kind of take it from just an organization to now like a global brand uh, that people want to work with and people want to be a part of. And I think you'll see kind of a survival of the fittest. You know, we're starting to see some organizations die away while we're seeing other organizations start to have some very serious growth and start to kind of dominate the space. Scott, one last question, and then I'm going to hand it over to Jimmy. And this is maybe the most important question. What are you doing, Scott, to make sure WoW Esports <laughs> is going to be the dominant esport for the next, you know, decade or so? And, and why aren't we there yet? That's tough. You know, uh, <laughs> Blizzard does great with Overwatch. I guess they just never saw, I mean, serious and silly answer at the same time. Warcraft <laughs> is not a balanced game. <laughs> it's not balanced. I mean, you can't, it's hard for it to be an esport because it's just not balanced, right? To be fair, neither was Overwatch when they no, were for, for most of the true. first two seasons. So. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and, and it is complete chaos when you're watching like 3v3s. Um, now I do like what they've done with like the mythics. I think that's kind of cool, you know, world first, for some reason, I can't take my eyes off watching that kind of stuff when it comes to Worldcraft. Um, the question is, will there be a wow two? you know, that's more kind of balanced, but we've seen guild wars and you've seen rifts and, and whatever, uh, Amazon tried to do. I played that one for a little bit too, but it, yeah, new world. It just, it, it just doesn't work. So although I love watching it, uh, it's tougher to grow because it's just a completely unbalanced. Uh, and most people that play World of Warcraft don't even know their characters, let alone <laughs> watching it to kind of know what's going on. I know in a pally bubbles and you can see hills and stuff like that. But I, I think there's so complicated and so in depth from 20 years of talents and gaming that it's just impossible uh, to kind of know what's going on, even if you play the game. Uh, as religiously as I do. Love the answer. Um, that I'm just going to hand it over to Jimmy for everyone's favorite new segment. It's Judge Jimmy's cross-examination. The way this works, he's going to ask a few rapid-fire questions, Scott, to get to know you better as a gamer, as a person. Uh, they're really easy. They're rapid-fire. Judge Jimmy, take it away. Jimmy, I'm nervous. Quick answers. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It'll be fun. Easiest one first. What's your favorite video game of all time? That actually might be a hard one out for some Bionic people. Commando on the nes is a side scroller um you can ha you had like this go-go gadget arm that you could do and swing from things you had this locked and loaded there was no hesitation yes, there <laughs> that's true. yes metal getters were great uh as well those are probably my favorite uh nowadays it's probably you know like red dead redemption or something like that because i just love open world let me do whatever i want to do if I want to hunt for two hours, let me do that. I want to apply a similar the similar question into your work now. What's your favorite game? And this could be a video game or a traditional sports because I know you do both. What's your favorite game to broadcast? Probably FIFA. Like I don't want to hear a British person call college football. Most people don't want to hear an American call FIFA. Uh, <laughs> so it breaks my heart because I, I just I love the pace and the cadence of just world football, just a FIFA. It's just kind of relaxing um, where, you know, when you're playing Madden with basically no dead ball or something like that, it's just rapid fire. And of course we know how fast uh, the game of basketball is. So there's just something about FIFA where I'm just kind of chilling, you know? Uh, but yeah, nobody wants to hear uh, my Anglo pronunciations of most of these <laughs> players in FIFA. <laughs> All right. Last one for you, Scott. Um, your favorite 
this could be a TV show or a movie uh, that shares IP with a video game. Oh so, man, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I don't want to go to uh, Warcraft, but it's on my iPad. <laughs> you know, for some reason, when I can't find something to choose, I, I go to the Warcraft movie. Was it great? Uh, on a five stars? Maybe it was two stars. <laughs> Maybe it was one and a half. <laughs> but there's just something about. Um, Finally, they made a movie, right? They've been talking. You're going to get so many comments on this episode <laughs> just because of this. <laughs> yeah, I, I admit the movie was terrible. For some reason, on a plane, I just go back to it. I I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I wish I was sitting at home playing Warcraft. Maybe glutton for punishment. <laughs> Maybe it itches. You know, it itches something that I can't scratch when I'm on the road. Awesome. I appreciate it, Scott. That's it for Judge Jimmy. Back to you, Paul. <laughs> I feel like I failed there. I feel like I had a great failure. <laughs> yeah, awesome answers. First of all, just wanted to say, love the work you're doing with Phillips Norelco. People who watch this podcast, um, it's what I shave with. So my beautiful face, my handsome, looking good? rugged, good looks. Um, this is why. But I, I love sort of the feel good, play good, that whole philosophy. Um, I think there's so much to it. So congratulations on the work there. For people who want to find out more, find you, follow you, get news on what's going on with this partnership where can they find more or follow you phillips.com backslash one blade that's the uh, first place to go the cool thing is you know i just introduced my nephew to they have a one blade that's like kind of like your first shaver right it's like you can do no harm with this thing you know like this is a great practice to be able to look good because it is so important I, I never really thought about that stuff um, when I was in middle school or high school or whatever, but it's, it's just so important because we live in this Instagram streaming world where you're kind of feel like you're constantly in a content, right? You're constantly under a microscope. You never know who's going to come up to you and take a selfie with you nowadays. So, uh, that's a great place to go. And that's, I mean, that's really what we're out here doing with Phillips Norelco is just trying to, when everybody looks good, the water rises, right? Everybody, you know, it, it kind of raises us up and, um, and through brands like that, it really kind of defeats the stigma of we are in our, we're not in our basements. I'm in an Airstream. Jimmy's in a cool place. I don't know what fantasy world Paul's in, but like, <laughs> we're not, you know, we're not in our basements, you know, and most gamers have a plethora of, of hobbies. I mean, I fly airplanes. I run into people that love to go overlanding and, and rock climbing and, you know, all these kind of things. And I think that's the way that younger nature is. And that's why I certainly believe that probably uh, mobile esports is probably going to be the thing that kind of takes over in the next 10 years or so, because I love to seclude myself, right. And play games. I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the the people that are coming up. Uh, the, the next uh, gamer is not a secluder. They're very much a uh, social. I want to get out there. Tell me what I can do when I'm riding on the bus to school or tell me what I can do when I'm taking the train on a commute. So it's just kind of cool to seeing like the things that we all love just becoming more legit. And, and, and brands like Phillips and Alcohol are certainly helping us do that. You know, and there's many great brands that are doing that. And so without them, it's kind of hard to move forward to kind of entice entice people with these kind of competitions and, and, and make great content. One more time, Scott, remind me where people can go. Phyllis.com backslash one blade. And you can find me at Scott Cole show. If there's anything I can do for anybody, uh, whether it's networking or help them move forward or just get them connected. Um, I answer a ton of questions and I find a lot of joy and pride in just kind of seeing people go from having their first stream to next thing, you know, they got more followers than I do. So 
uh, and it happens in a blink. And that brings a lot of great joy to me to keep moving the ball forward. Scott, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on the show. Just a reminder, some housekeeping guys for our audience. Don't forget to follow Business of Esports everywhere. We're busy sports on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, you name it. We put content on all these platforms. Also, don't forget, show up for our live stream every Wednesday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. It's all the news from the last week. It's a big, bigger cast. It's a lot of fun. We get to do it live. We get to come and ask questions, challenge us, disagree with the profit, as crazy as that might be. But it's a lot of fun, and we encourage everyone to show up. Scott, thank you. Jimmy, thank you, as always, to our audience. Thank you, guys. Don't forget the most important thing, guys. The future is fun. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Business of Esports podcast. Check us out at thebusinessofesports.com and on Twitter at bizesports. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.